Amen. Turn to the book of Jonah, chapter 1. Jonah, chapter 1, verse number 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly, and he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. And out of the belly of Shiloh I cried, and he heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me, and the billows, and the waves passed over me. And then I said, I have cast out of your sight, and yet I will look again toward your holy temple, for the waters have surrounded even to my soul. The deep closed round about me, and the weeds were wrapped around my head. The earth with its bars closed behind forever. Yet you have brought me up to life from the pit, O Lord my God. And when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord of hosts. And my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regarded worthless idols made of hands... Forsook thy own mercy, for I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving, and I will pay what I have vowed, for salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry ground. That's shouting territory right there. And the Lord spoke to the fish. Aren't you glad that God can still speak to things? I'm going to preach on a sermon called, I'm coming out of this thing this time. Look to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I'm coming out of this thing this time. Come on, look to your neighbor and say, I told you that last year, but this year it's for real. <laughs> 2018, how many would agree with Pastor Josh that we can't believe that we're in 2018? I mean, it seems like the years and the months and the, the time just goes by very, very, very quickly. And so here we are at another year, 2018, with same challenges and problems that we had last year. And I believe that if we're going to go forward in this year, that it's imperative that we have the right perspective. Can I hear an amen? Sometimes we are going to face the same problems and struggles that we've already faced. But it's important that if we're going to go forth, that we have the right perspective in how we look at things. I want to say something to you, and I don't want to offend you, but I think this holds great truth. Just because it's January the 7th, and we're in a new year, 2018, that means nothing to God. Now, I can get up here and give you a different lingo. You know, when I was growing up in church, we usually had a phrase, going to heaven in 2007, you know, beat up the devil in 2000 and 2008, you know, Whatever, you know, it's my thing for, it's my, I'm going to get my thing from my God in 2000. You know, we've come up with all kinds of slogans and catchy phrases to try to get people on board. But what we have to understand is that it means nothing to God because it's 2018. Because you cannot break His principles and at the same time claim His promises. Can I say that again? You can't break His principles and at the same time, claim His promises. We want to shout that we're in a new year, but sometimes we have to change our perspective of how we look at this year. God doesn't move you into a different season 
because the calendar changed. God doesn't move you into a different season because it's 2018. Please, ladies and gentlemen, let's not be so super spiritual that we think because it's 2018, we're in a different season in God. Where did we come up with such false theology? Where did we come up with such false interpretation of Scripture? That just because it's 2018, it's a new season for me. This isn't, no. Let's look at Scripture. Let's look at the new year according to what the Bible says. Am I for a new season? Do I want God to do new things? Of course I do. Do I want to go to a new level with God? Of course I do. Do I want to experience everything that God has for me? Of course I do. But I'm a student of the Bible. And my first priority is to make sure that we interpret Scripture correctly. And so God doesn't change things in your life because it's 2018 or because there's another date on the calendar and the year has changed. God is not concerned about the calendar. He is concerned about your character. He is not concerned about the date on the calendar. He is concerned about your conduct. And I want to ask you a question. Have you changed and developed in the past year? When you look over 2017, I think it's imperative that as you look over 2017 that you need to ask yourself some hard questions. What are some areas in my life that I need to grow in? What are some areas in my life that I didn't do too good in? Did I grow and progress in the Lord? The Lord is not looking for perfection. He is looking for progress. Are you making progress in your spiritual growth and development with Christ? Are you more like Jesus today than you were last year on January the 7th, 2017? Is your attitude changing into the likeness of Christ? Your finances, are you a better giver today than you were last week? Is your marriage better? And you can just go down the list and check. I'm not trying to give you a checklist, but I want you to have awareness that you cannot ignore the principles of God and at the same time claim the promises of God. God moves by principle. And if you want to go from glory to glory, from step A to step B, and cross over, quote unquote, to your season, that it's imperative that you understand that this is a faith journey. He is a faith God, and he operates by the principles and precepts of the Word of God, and he doesn't operate just because the calendar says it's 2018. Can I hear an amen? That's how God works here. And I can't think of a better story than the story of Jonah of going in and experiencing what God has for you. Let me ask you a question. How do you know that you are ready to move on to the next level in God? Now, I, I don't want to seem mystic or super spiritual, but I am a firm believer that you can grow in God and quote-unquote go to a new level of God's presence in your life. How do you know that you are progressing and going in that direction? How do you know that you're coming out of one season and going into a new season? Not because the calendar says it's a new year, or not because it's a new day, but how do I sense spiritually that I am moving and progressing with God? How do I know that I am progressing and moving with God? You see, Sometimes our perception is very, very important. You know, Jonah is a familiar story that we've all heard before. Jonah 
is a, 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 is a man of God here who God tells him, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach to the Ninevites and I want you to tell them to repent. Now, if you know anything about the Ninevites, they were brutal people. The Ninevites were the arch enemy of the Jewish people. And so Jonah knew that. So you know what Jonah decided to do? That he wasn't going to obey God. Jonah was going to do his own thing. And the Bible says that instead of Jonah going to the Ninevites, the Bible says that Jonah gets on a boat. He goes down to Tarshish. He buys a, a, a boat ticket, gets on the boat, and it goes the opposite direction of Nineveh. He goes the opposite direction of Nineveh. And the scripture tells us that Jonah is on the boat. And the Bible says that as Jonah is on the boat, a storm came, a tempest came, and all of the sailors on the boat understood that because they are in a storm, somebody in the boat did something wrong. And the Bible says that Jonah confessed. Jonah raised his hand, so to speak, and said, listen, sirs, it's me, I made a mistake. Now, how do I know that? The Bible says in Jonah chapter number 1, and the Bible says in verse number 12, Jonah chapter 1 and verse number 12, this is what Jonah says, and he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea, then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that this is the great tempest is because of me. Now, they was either, according to theologians, they were either going to kill Jonah, or the option was, is to throw him over sea. And so instead of Jonah being murdered, Jonah's like, I'm taking the easy road out, just throw me overboard. Just throw me overboard. And so, and so guess what? Jonah admitted, Jonah said, it is me because you are in this storm. Now I want to say this, and I think it's very, very uh, important that I make this note here. That the redemptive work of God always starts when you confess what you have done wrong in your life. Can I say that again, and maybe the rest of us will get a hold of that. Let me say that again. The redemptive work of God always starts in a man or in a woman when they confess what they have done wrong. You see, sometimes we can't progress with God. Sometimes we can't move on with God because we haven't yet realized that it's not what everybody's done to us. It's some of us go into the new year with a checklist of everybody that's done you wrong. But the greatest truth in Scripture is that the redemptive work of God cannot start in your life unless you admit that you've done something wrong. How many would raise your hand and say, Pastor, I am a sinner saved by the grace of God and the redemptive power of God is only manifested when I admit that I've done something wrong. Jonah i got to give it to Jonah. Now, I don't know what I would have done. It's, it takes a lot of guts. I mean, you know, do I want to be killed or do I want to be thrown into a tempest storm? I, I don't know what about that. But Jonah was like, listen, dude, just throw me over. And they threw him overboard. And the Bible says a great fish came along and swallowed Jonah. Now, I know some of you say it's a well. But if you want to be true to Scripture, the Scripture does not translate it that it was a well. We assume maybe it was because what other fish is there big enough to swallow a human being? But the Bible says there is a fish here that swallowed Jonah. He swallowed Jonah and the Bible says that he is in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. You know, 
they came to Jesus in the Gospels and said, Jesus, give us a sign of your coming. And Jesus said, the only sign that I'm going to give to you is the sign of Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. That's the only sign that you're going to get for this generation. And yet, this story holds so much truth because Jonah is in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And then the Bible says in verse number 10, Jonah chapter 2 and verse 10 at the end of it, verse number 10, Jonah chapter 2 verse 10, the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah on dry ground. Now this is the question that I've got to ask, for, ask you this morning. What did Jonah do in those three days that caused God to speak to the fish? What did Jonah do in those three days that would have caused God to speak to the fish and have the fish to vomit Jonah on dry ground? I mean, Jonah is rebellious. Jonah went his own way and did his own thing and the fish swallowed him. And obviously Jonah did something in the belly of the fish that caused God to bring forth deliverance in Jonah's life. Some of you may be in the belly of affliction. Some of you may be in the belly of sickness. Maybe depression or oppression. Whatever belly you may be in, I promise you, you can come out of that thing. But what determines that is what you do. What determines that is your perception. Your perspective, how you respond to things. And, and the story of Jonah holds so much great truth here that I feel compelled by the Spirit to show you. The very first thing that I want you to see here, something that Jonah did that caused God to deliver Jonah on dry ground. It's, it's very simple, Pastor David, and sometimes we read the Bible, but we don't read the Bible. Is that right? We read the Bible, but we don't read the Bible. And I saw this... And I want to bring it to your attention. Jonah chapter 2 verse 1. Jonah chapter 2 verse 1. Jonah is in the belly of the fish. Chapter 2 verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. Let me stop there. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, Lord his God from the fish's belly. Then Jonah prayed. Then Jonah prayed. Then Jonah prayed. You know what that's saying to us? Jonah probably didn't pray before. He started praying now. Then he started praying, but he wasn't praying before. How many would raise your hand and say, I just saw that, Pastor? Anybody just see that? Raise your hand if you saw it. Then Jonah prayed, which implies that Jonah wasn't praying before. How do I know this? Because a praying man is not going to go on the wrong boat. A praying man is not going to be rebellious. A praying man is not going to do his own thing. Can I hear an amen? A praying man is not going to walk in rebellion against the precepts and promises of the Word of God. He wasn't praying before, but when he got into the belly, he started praying. Did you just see that? What are you saying, Pastor Josh? I'm saying that prayer changes everything. Jonah wasn't praying before, but now he's praying because this is the principle to prove to us that if you do not pray, then it is likely that God will put you in a situation that will force you to pray. I'm going to say that again. If you are not praying, 
then it is likely that God will rearrange the structure of your life to put you in a place where it makes you to pray. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He has a tendency to put you in situations where it makes you pray if you are not praying. Jonah wasn't praying because a praying man is not a rebellious man. A praying man don't do his own thing. Then Jonah prayed. God said, if you're not going to pray, I'll put you in a place where you've got to pray. I mean, what else is there to do in the belly of a fish? You don't got an iPhone. You don't got, an, you don't got access to the internet. You don't have access to all the gossip on Facebook. You understand what I'm saying? You don't have any there to preoccupy your time. God put him in the belly of the fish to make Jonah pray. Have you ever been in a situation where your prayer life deepened because you found yourself in a mess and you found yourself praying more than you've ever prayed in your life? Can I hear an amen? How many will raise your hand and say, I found, I found myself in situations where I thought I would lose my mind. I thought that I would give up. But I found myself in a situation where the only thing I could do was pray. And I'm telling you, church, if you don't have a prayer life, you will fail. If you don't pray, you will fail. If you're not persistent in praying, you will fail. You've got to cultivate and foster that in your life. Now, it's very important that you see this. Look at this. Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. Look at this scripture. You'll see the power of prayer here. Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. The Lord had prepared a great fish... Now, it's important that you get this. Don't lose me. A great what? To swallow. And Jonah was in the belly. Somebody say belly. For three days and three nights. That's verse 17. The next verse is chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. Now, in Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, now I'm not a Hebrew scholar, I took Greek for three semesters in college and seminary. And I guess, I, I, I mean, I made a B in it. I, I could just barely make it through it. I just thought to myself, I speak in tongues, so what does it really matter? You know what I'm saying. And it has great value because I had this seminary, had this college professor, Dr. Lunsford. He'd come to class every day, Greek class. He was 70 years old, 80 years old, hunchback, walking in there. And he's, the first thing he would say, Lewis, was, I'm going to separate the men from the boys. Oh, I had to pray that my heart didn't become hard towards this man. The class was 30 people, and it shrunk down to 10 people because he was so difficult in Greek. Now, I knew I had to take the class where I couldn't. I mean, I had to have it for seminary. So every day at 10 o'clock, my stomach hurt, so I went to the bathroom. <laughs> but I come back, and guess what Dr. Lunsford would say? Mr. Pennington, stand up and parse this Greek word or this Greek sentence. So I get up there, 
And I thought to myself, I'm going to throw some tongues in there and maybe it will sound Greek. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I pass Greek. Somebody say amen. So, the Hebrew language, a word in the Hebrew language were nouns. A noun, now this is important. A noun in the Hebrew language has either, a, it's either masculine or feminine or neutral, okay? So a noun in the Hebrew language is either masculine, it's either feminine, or it's either neutral. So a noun, a word in the Hebrew language, which is a noun, can be a masculine form, a female form, a feminine form, or neutral. Now I know that doesn't make any sense to you, but you just need to know that the words in Hebrew can be a masculine, feminine, or neutral. When you look at this in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, look at verse 17. When he was thrown into the belly of the fish, the word fish, look at the word fish. It is the Hebrew word which is masculine. Somebody say masculine. And it's the word for dog. D-A-G. Fish. Masculine. Okay? Then you go to chapter 2, the next verse. Chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1. And the, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. The word fish there is feminine. Now, some Hebrew scholars feel as though the text is corrupted, as if there's a mistake. Because verse 17, the noun fish is masculine. Chapter 2, verse 1, the word fish becomes feminine. How many has got that? Chapter 17, it is masculine. Somebody say masculine. Chapter 2, verse 1, the word fish is what? It's dagha, D-A-G-H-A. Now, I thought, as I'd done research, that something happened between verse 17, look at it, Jonah 1, chapter 1, verse 17, he's thrown into the belly of the fish. Jonah 1, verse 17, he's thrown into the belly of the fish, right there, masculine. Then, Chapter 2, verse 1, something changed. Chapter 2, verse 1, then Jonah prayed. So what caused the context to change from masculine to feminine? When he prayed. You see, ladies and gentlemen, prayer don't change things. Prayer changes everything. Did you hear what I just said? Prayer just don't change this or that. Prayer has the ability to alter your life. The reason there was a difference in the fish was because there was a praying man in the belly of the fish. And you can say whatever you want to say that I've prayed and it don't work. Oh, you've been deceived by the devil. Because when you get on your face and when you cry out to God, prayer has the ability to change the supernatural realm. Hallelujah. 
Don't you ever let the enemy deceive you that prayer don't work. Prayer has the ability to change. Now, now hold on here, because this gets really better. And since I'm from the south, it gets gooder. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? So prayer changed the context, but now you also see verse 17, Jonah 1, 17, look at it. And this is what it says. The Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly, belly, belly. That word in Hebrew is a masculine word, which means stomach. That would make sense. So the fish swallowed Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish. Then Jonah begins to pray, chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1, he begins to pray, and when he begins to pray, the word fish becomes feminine, and the word belly is not a masculine word now. The word belly is a feminine word, which means womb. Ooh. So hold on. So what prayer did, prayer changed the context of the fish. But prayer also said, what meant to destroy you as a stomach, prayer now is saying, when you pray, it's going to be a womb to birth you to the next level and the next dimension of your life. Somebody better help this preacher preach a little bit. You see, sometimes we think that things are meant to destroy us, but what God is saying, the very thing that meant to destroy you is actually a womb to prepare you to go to the next level. Is there about 50 people that can raise your hand and say, I want to be propelled to the next level with God? Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Jonah was prepared to be destroyed, but prayer has a way of changing something that was meant for destruction to birth you into the next level with God. Prayer don't change some things. Prayer changes everything. Hallelujah. Somebody praise God with me. Sister Regina, I thank you that you go to that prayer room every Sunday and Wednesday and pray when nobody else shows up. The word of the Lord to you is that keep on praying because prayer changes everything. It don't matter whether people go back there and pray or not. Your prayer is making a difference, interceding before the church service ever starts. Prayer changes everything. A lot of playing, but there ain't no praying. A lot of feasting, no fasting. A lot of ball fields, but no mission fields. A lot of playboys in the pulpit and no more prophets. What we need now is a prophet of God to declare to the people of God, we must get back to the old paths where it is the right way and it is the power of someone falling on their knees and crying to God Almighty. Prayer changes everything. Then Jonah prayed. He wasn't praying before. It's amazing what the belly of a fish will do. It'll make you pray. Now, Jonah is in the belly of a fish. 
chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says Jonah prayed to the Lord as God from the belly of the fish. And the Bible says Jonah begins to say this. I cried to the Lord because of my affliction. He heard me out of the belly of verse number, out of the belly of hell. I cried to the Lord. He heard my voice, for they cast me into the deep. Now li listen to this. Jonah is saying they cast me into the deep. They threw me into the heart of the seas. The flood surrounded me. The billows and the waves passed over me. I've been cast out of your sight. I'm away from your holy temple. The waters have surrounded me even to my soul. The deep closed round about me. What is Jonah saying? Jonah was saying I was on the boat and they cast me out of the boat and I am drowning in the sea. Is Jonah what? Jonah is what? He's drowning in the sea. So it wasn't like the fish was right there to catch him. Jonah's drowning. He, said the we he says the weeds, look at verse 5, the water surrounded me, the deep closed round about me, the weeds were wrapped around my head. I mean, Jonah's like, dude, I I'm in a mess here. I I'm drowning, the weeds is in my head, I I'm in the darkness of the sea. Then, he said, verse 7, when my soul began to faint, I remembered that my prayer would go before you. He says, I, he says, those who regarded worthless idols, he says, I'm not that person. He says, but I'm going to praise you in the middle of this. Did you see verse 9? He said, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. Now hold on. Why would you praise God in the belly of the fish? Because Jonah simply understood that you've got to change your perspective. I was drowning until the fish swallowed me. I'm going to say that again. I was drowning with no hope until the fish swallowed me. I'm going to say that again. I was drowning in the water. There was weeds wrapped around my head. I'm in blackness of midnight. There is no hope. I am dying in the sea. And the fish swallowed me. In other words, the reason that Jonah can praise God in the fish's belly is because Jonah understood I would have been dead if it wasn't about the fish. So the fish wasn't for my punishment. The fish was for my deliverance. Hallelujah. <laughs> Somebody raise your hand and thank God. The fish wasn't for my punishment. The fish was for my protection. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes God delivers you through that which hurts you. Sometimes God delivers you through that which hurts you. We don't, we don't want to talk about that, do we? God uses the things that hurts us to deliver us. 
the reason that Jonah could praise God in the belly of the fish? Because he knew that the fish wasn't for my punishment. God actually prepared the fish to save me. How many has ever heard the Jonah story about the fish was his punishment and he got what he deserved? No, no, no. He should have died in the sea when they threw him overboard. That was his punishment for being rebellious. But God in his mercy rearranged events so a fish could swallow him and protect him and align Jonah's life in a level where he can pray and commune with God. Sometimes the things that hurt us are the very things that were designed to save us and to help us. Bible says in closing, he said, <laughs> verse 9, <laughs> I'm going to sacrifice, he says, I'm going to praise you in the belly of the fish because I know the fish was for my protection, not my punishment. He says, I'm going to sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving, verse 9. And he says, and I will pay what I have vowed to the Lord. In other words, Jonah said, Lord, I messed up. I should have went to Nineveh. I should have preached. So I'm making a recommitment to you that if you get me out of this, if you get me out of this, I'm going to go back and I'm going to preach to the Ninevites. And so he made a commitment again to the Lord. And the Bible says in chapter 3, Jonah chapter 3, verse number 1. Look at the look what happens here. Jonah chapter 3. And verse number one, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, when he made a decision that he was going to do what's right, the word of the Lord came to him a second time. I don't know about you, but some of us has already messed up our second time, and that's why I'm going to praise God for another chance. Can I hear an amen? And so Jonah messed up, he rebelled against God, but God used the fish not as punishment before protection. He used the fish as a way to get Jonah back in alignment with his prayer life. He used the fish as a way of getting a hold of Jonah's life. And the Bible says he prayed and situations begin to change. The Bible says he began to praise God in the belly of the fish because his perception is changed. The fish is not for my punishment. The fish is for my protection. And now he made a promise to God. Prayer, praise, promise. He made a promise to God that if I get out of this thing, I'm going to do what you want me to do. And when he did that, the word of the Lord came to him a second time. A second time. You know what's interesting is that from where Jonah is at, it is a three-day journey to Nineveh, and he got there in one day. Because when you are passionate about what God has called you to do, and when you are obedient, you will do it with passion. People say, well, I'm called to do this and called. You ain't called to do it because you have delayed obedience. No delayed obedience here. He quickly got to Nineveh and quickly proclaimed the word of the Lord. And he, the Bible says there was a great revival in Nineveh. God gave him a redo. Why did God give him a redo? Because Jonah had an epiphany in those three days and three nights that just because it's 2018 doesn't mean anything to God. What really means to God is how I'm living my life 
my perception of things, my worldview, my character, my conduct, the precepts and promises of the word, the precepts and principles of the word of God can't claim his promises if you're breaking his principles. Can't do it. Can't do it. You see, Jonah is one of those great stories that teaches us that even though you find yourself in the belly of affliction. It teaches us that God will rearrange your life to get you praying. A praying man has the ability to see things from a different perspective. 